there is this beauty in knowing I can just be my very flawed self and laugh at myself when I make a mistake and uh, be grounded in that um, my identity is not in how people are responding to me. It's that I was made by my mother who loves me. Welcome to the Habit Podcast, conversations with writers about writing. I'm Jonathan Rogers, your host. Ellie Holcomb has just released a new solo album called Canyon, which she says is about a deeper sorrow, a higher hope, and the brokenness that is integral to our humanity. I'm hoping to have her back in a later episode to talk about that project. But in this episode, we're going to talk about the times that she and her husband, Drew, found themselves performing in community college cafeterias, the time they got kicked out of a community college cafeteria and instead had to play a study room to the irritation of the students who were actually trying to study, and other sad stories told for laughs. Ellie Holcomb, thank you so much for being on the Habit Podcast and specifically Sad Stories Told for Laughs. Yes, I'm so glad to be here for this. I love it. (laughs) Um, And uh, we will have you back soon to talk about your project that you have coming up, Canyon. But today it's all about the stories of public chagrin. (laughs) So uh, let's just launch it. What do you got for me, Ellie? Uh, Tell me about some moments, uh, you know, the, sort of the spirit of sad stories told to laughs is, you know, or, or one part of the spirit of, of this series is people think once you get a record deal or once you get a book deal, suddenly I'm going to feel uh, like I have grown into, I've sort of gotten beyond the, the I, I will know myself and I'll feel like I am somehow can never be humiliated again. And the truth is, that's not true. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's not true at all. And it's good to talk about it, right? Because then yeah. we just it, then we all remember we're all just humans out here. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, doing our best to remember what's true. Um, yeah. I think back to so I have like kind of two fold story. I have like kind of two spectrums of stories because I was in a band with my husband called Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors mm-hmm. for eight years, and uh, we did this circuit early on. Um, I just remember the days, I I think about them all the time, the days when we were just hoping anyone would ask us to do anything. Um, You know, you're just like, oh, yeah, anybody want us to come do something for you? We can (laughs) clean your house um, after we sing. Um, And so I, we did this, we were on this circuit called NACA. Has this come up for you in these conversations? Uh -uh. Um, So it's the National... Association of College Arts and Entertainment. Okay. And so all colleges, community colleges, big colleges, they have these like um, sort of like student activity fees that are rolled yeah. into tuition. Well, um, they have to spend that money or else they don't get to use it, right? Uh-huh. And yeah. so we were on this neck circuit. I mean, this is back when MySpace happened. So Wally, <laughs> Wally's World found Drew's music and um and so he was our NACA agent. And so okay. it was an amazing thing cuz they would pay you, you know, like a pretty decent amount of money to come, but most of the time we played not the big major universities or colleges. We were playing like community colleges uh-huh. um at lunchtime, okay? So <laughs> We called them nooners because it it literally, and I am not kidding. So you walk, you roll up into 
some of them would be okay, but mainly you roll up at lunchtime to a community college cafeteria where most people are not eating lunch. Like community colleges, a lot of people are commuting in. And so literally you walk up and you set, they have a stage set up. They have done zero promotion of the concert. Mm -hmm. Literally everybody, you walk by everybody, you start sound checking and they're like, I roll, they're rolling their eyes at you. And (laughs) And I promise you, this happened. I mean, I would set up CDs. I mean, if we sold one CD, I was like, yes. Like, this is a huge win because most – I will never forget the worst one was this guy was sitting right in front of us, right in front of the stage, and he looked at us threw his hands up, turned around, and literally put his, like, giant headphones on. (laughs) We're sorry. Like, they're paying us to play music right now. Like, we... We have to, you know, so, so there have been some, we have several stories of that. The other one, uh, we were supposed to play and this was up North in North Dakota and we were supposed to play in a, uh, in the cafeteria and we got demoted because the cafeteria was under construction. We had to play in the study room, which I'm like, who thought that was a good idea? Right? Like, so they have like, you know, they literally have like 10 chairs set up in the corner of the study hall room at the community college. And there was also a piano in there, I guess for people who are practicing. So, so there's like, Two people um, who came to see us, and they were actually fans of my dad, who is um, a producer, a Christian, and that's the only reason they came, because they were like, you're Brown Bannister's daughter. We really want to talk to you about all his records. So they're like front row listening to us. Everybody else is angry, angry yeah. headphones. And, and then in the middle of our show, which is just, it's just humiliating. You're like, can we please not do this? Like we're clearly mainly just making your students angry. Um, and then in the middle of a song, a kid comes in and he starts playing, doing scales on the piano while we are playing. And my husband, Drew, I mean, he's like, he's an eight on the Enneagram. He literally was like, he looks at the sound guy and he's like, you're making a, I'm sorry, a, a hand motion, like cut. Like, he's like, we cannot, like, you have to get him to stop. Like, this is hurting our ears. Like, this is awful. And so, so the guy walks over to the guy who's doing the scales, also both college students. And he's like, and the guy's playing the scales, really angry, shaking his hands, like, throwing his hand up at us like so mad that we're there and so then he starts just doing his scales above the keys like so he just so afterwards I get after the show it was awful I get pounced by these people who really just want to talk about my dad which I love my dad that was great I but love your dad meanwhile, too, by the way. he's amazing but meanwhile these other guys Drew had some harmonicas these other kids had, had come in and had listened to maybe the last two songs Drew gets approached by a, a guy who is from uh, he's in a polka band uh-huh. and he's from another I think he was from Russia um, and so he sits down and he's like he's like Drew tell me how to be a star like you and we're like clearly we are not stars man like we're playing in a study room of a community college so Drew gets approached by this guy I get approached by the people who want to you know just talk about my dad meanwhile these other kids come they get Drew's harmonicas and they are marching I kid you not they're marching around the room just 
breathing in and out of his harmonicas. Like, I don't know what, like, we were literally like, what is happening? <laughs> Wait, college age kids were doing this? Yes. I mean, we were just like, what in the world is going on? So, um, so that was a pretty, that was a pretty low moment, honestly. Yeah. Uh, does, does it help the fact that you're with your husband going through these things? Does, does that, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I no, it does from doing this on your own. It was really, and honestly, I actually was a teacher when we first got married and he was doing these nachos and I, he was literally like, um, can you please quit your job and come with me? Because it's hard. It is yeah. so much better having, um, having camaraderie in that. Yeah. And I, but I do think, um, and then I, I remember, uh, I, I remember back to like our first, my first gig when I packed up my classroom, um, so he convinced me we were in a deer blind in Texas, actually, okay. when he, uh, convinced me, he's like, not convinced me, but just asked me if I would be willing to quit my teaching job to join him on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and my first thing that we did, we packed up and we went to young life camp mm-hmm. and, uh, it was a, it was a huge risk, right? Like I was our health insurance. I mm-hmm. was our steady income, you know, yeah. like it was, um, you know, it was a big kind of leap of faith, but I, to do that together, but we, we just thought, man, I think, I think for me, I was just like, uh, I think I might always just wonder what that would have been like, you know, mm-hmm. like, so yeah. I went and told my principal, I was like, look, I'm going to go do this music thing for a year, but I would love for you to consider hiring me after this year when we are so broke <laughs> and can't pay our bills anymore. I'll probably come back to teaching. And, um, so I, when we packed up our bags, we went to young life camp. For that uh-huh. first week, and I are you familiar with Young Life? Do yeah, you, sure. Uh-huh. The evangelical kind of parachurch organization that believes every kid everywhere deserves to hear a chance, the gospel in a way that they can kind of understand it and um, have a chance to respond to that. And so they bring in musicians, and we were playing. You know, we had to. We didn't know how we were going to like pay our rent for the month, so yeah. we got like a friend to come live in our place and really you don't get paid, you're volunteering to be there for a month. And, and so, you know, they're like, but you can sell CDs in the store. So hopefully, you know, you can sell enough to like, you know, make ends meet. They're feeding us there. So that was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Um, but I will never forget that first week. It was so amazing because I, I had always loved music. I'd always known that it was a bridge builder. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was like a bad version of Taylor Swift in college because I was writing <laughs> songs about my heart getting broken and I would sing them in the dorm room stairwells, <laughs> you know, and they echo because I didn't want to wake up my roommate, but it also sounds really good in there because it echoes. Right. But inevitably what would happen is girls would line, they would sit down, mm-hmm. not all the time sober. I, in fact, usually not late at night. And, um, but, but just because I played a song, you know, I'd be closing my eyes and I would look up and there'd be literally 25 girls in there. And then they would sit down and say, thank you so much for playing that song. Let me tell you what's going on in my life. And I'd be like, my name's Ellie. What's your name? And I thought it was so cool that I just played a song. And because I played a song, they told me their story. So I'd always known that music was a bridge builder. But what was so cool at Young Life Camp is we would play these songs. Same thing would happen. Mm -hmm. Girls would come and tell me their stories. But I, at Young Life Camp, all of a sudden there was this connection of music and bridge building of our stories, but then pointing to the ultimate bridge builder, Jesus. And mm-hmm. I called my mom and dad after that first week. It was this both-in experience because I was like, 
I am firing on all cylinders. Like I am alive right now. And um, I'm just so grateful to be a part of this. But in the same breath, we went to the store at the end of the week and it was like, uh, you know, they told us what we were to expect that we sold and we did not sell that many things. (laughs) So it was this like, Oh, I really love this, but also how are we going to make yeah. ends meet? And um, I will, I'm just so grateful for the way that um, we've, we've gotten to be in these really humble kind of, um, we've needed community to surround us. And yeah. our anniversary was that first week and we were loving being there, but it was so beautiful. Uh, that whole community, that first week who was on that assignment with us came around us. They pulled all their money together. Mm-hmm. They sent us to like a little bed and breakfast for the night. And also I think they ended up giving us some money that week just to cover, just uh, so we could kind of cover our bills like at yeah. home that we oh, were wow. needing so to the, pay. The young life, the people around you at, at the young life camp, saw that we were kind of like, how are we going to do this? Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the week, we had actually, they had actually messed up the numbers and we had ended up selling more than enough CDs. They had just Ah. messed up the numbers. And so it just, it has been such a beautiful thing um, to kind of hold this balance of very, very, from very early on in music of feeling kind of like maybe called to do this. um, And then not knowing how we were going to do it and then seeing kind of God and community through his people, community filling in the gaps for us Mm -hmm. um, has been a really beautiful thing. And I think I learned early on uh, that the, uh, you know, the stories of, of how, uh, I don't know how maybe our surrendered. Yes. Like it sort of felt scary to leave teaching job consistency uh, mm. felt like Indiana Jones, you know, like in that scene when he's getting ready to step out into his certain death. Yeah. Uh, that's how uh, it felt when I quit my teaching job. And it's how it felt when I had actually quit the band eight years later to be a stay at home mom. Um, and then since God saying, would you, would you be willing to do your own music? I'd started writing scripture and, and to song, um, uh-huh. to remind my own weary heart. And I was like, Oh, that scares me to death. No, yeah. I am not going to go do that. Mm-hmm. I've been in counseling. I'm learning mm-hmm. to be freed up, and I just would like to be free here in the privacy of my own home, not on a stage, you know? Yeah, and right. So, uh, but it has been so beautiful to see uh, surrendered yeses, to see provision, kind of the ground coming up beneath our feet um, has been a really, really beautiful thing. And we learned early on that it's not all about us, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and I'm really, really grateful for that. At Young Life, you're kind of using music to help tell a story that's a lot bigger than you, the story of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so I I love this idea that we're just one part uh, of the story, and that has been a beautiful start. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, especially performers, even more than writers, um, it, it is this strange uh tension between you are the person who is there being looked at and you're you're trying. um, And as you said, you're really there as part of a a bigger story. It looks like you're there. It looks like you're, if somebody sort of wanders in, it looks like you're the story. Yeah. Just from from the looks of things. Right. Yep. And spotlights on you. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Yeah. Until the guitar solo, and then maybe it's off on the guitars for a little. And then it's on the guitar, yeah. But I, I'll never forget because that was those were hard years. I mean, humbling years. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and they were years. Uh, it wasn't like <laughs> yeah. this one month we did this. But yeah. I remember um, there was another girl that was on the NACA circuit, and we did. Uh, there's this really great spot, Eddie's Attic in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and uh, she and her husband played these college shows too. And we we're like, "How's it going?" She's like, "It's going." A lot of NACA shows, and we're like, "Whoo, crazy, right?" Like. <laughs> And uh, she was like, yeah, you know, it is it is really crazy. Um, she was like, but I think for me, what I'm learning is that sometimes even when people aren't listening, because we were just telling her, we were like, do you ever get the headphones thing? Uh, is that ever happening? She was like, actually, yes. Uh, we are like, okay, good. That's pretty tough. Um, that's pretty hard. But she just said, you know what I've learned is um, maybe instead of me there to sing for people, I, I've just started praying for people. Mm. Um, and not out loud, just in my heart. I just kind of hold them up to the light. And I think maybe they've never been prayed for. And maybe that's why I'm here. And I was yeah. like, yeah, 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 me too. I'm praying for their their car to get a flat tire. <laughs> <laughs> like, but there, that was a huge shift for me um, to know, oh, this is this is not actually about me. I yeah. don't think this is about me. And and we talk to our kids about it a lot now. Um, if they've ever come out and like sung with us on stage, we're like, what's a stage for? Um, a stage is to interact with other people's stories and to bring about joy. It, it's to uh-huh. bring it's to bring joy and community. That's what it's for. It is not about elevating us. It's about yeah. inviting other people in. And so um, I am really grateful. I'm really grateful for uh, those, those humble beginnings. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. It's good. Um, and so, but, and this is, I mean, this is everybody's, everybody in the music business, it's their story, right? These humble beginnings. I mean, even the, the most successful people you've ever seen, I, I, I assume you don't just jump straight in. Do you know anybody who's ever jumped? I mean, there's, there's no path for that, is there? No, I mean, I maybe I don't know, like YouTube people who like just go crazy. And oh, yeah, right. maybe, but yeah. I, I still, I think they've done a lot of work. There's been a lot that happened before they started making music videos on YouTube mm-hmm. or whatever. And so, yeah, I think sometimes we see the highlights, we see Instagram posts, we see the award show. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it'll be like this new band, and it's like. They have been hustling for ten years before they got even the even the people who rise fast. Um, it's like there's 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 a previousness before that yeah. of work and of tears and of wondering what on earth you're doing. And yeah. I think even after you have success, maybe it's maybe it's harder sometimes because you think, oh man, I had that that one hit or I had that really great year and how am I going to follow up with that? And mm-hmm. what if I don't, I mean, there's all those kind of, have you dealt with that questions. imposter syndrome? Oh yeah. Stuff? Oh yeah. I, I feel that almost all the time. I'm like, Oh, y'all got the wrong girl for the job. I'll never forget my first music festival. Uh, the, okay. Two, two more stories. First music festival that I ever played when I started doing my own music, mm-hmm. um, didn't sign with a label. I've kicked it indie for a, a long time. This newest record is the first record that I'm partnering with the label um, okay. for distribution on. But but I had did this Kickstarter thing that terrified me, and then it yeah. it I felt like I was going to throw up before we hit play on that <laughs> thing. I'm like, basically, I'm just going to fail in front of everyone. This is going to mm-hmm. be awful. Um, and it but since this kind of invitation from God, like, would you be willing to do this? And that just went 
gangbusters. I mean, it reminds me of Andrew Peterson when he did the whole, the, um, the first Kickstarter for the, mm-hmm. for the books and everything. Um, but it was, I think we hit our goal in 48 hours, which uh-huh. is insane. Wow. And 250% was amazing. Um, but I will never forget my first, so all these labels were like, we want to sign you, let's do this. Um, and, and I just didn't feel at peace about that for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So, but I started going, I signed with booking agency, build a great team. My first festival, uh, there, I get there for the VIP thing and they come and they're like, Hey, we know you're so tired. There's like a VIP meet and greet in some tent. Yeah. Like, we just know you're so tired. You just drove here. Like, don't worry about it. We don't, we don't want to make you do the VIP thing. I'm like, guys. It's okay. No one's there. I know what's happening. Like no one knows who I am. I'm fine with it. And they're like, no, no, there's totally people there. We and I'm like, no, there's not. It's fine. There's no one there to meet me. It's fine. So I go eat a Chick-fil-A sandwich in the tent and they come up to me and they're like, we're so sorry. There actually are some girls who want to meet you. And I was like, oh, good. Okay, great. Let's like, <laughs> sure. This is great. Fine. So these girls come up to me. They're like, oh my gosh, we're so excited to meet you. And um, they're like, we just love when you play with your husband. And I was like, oh yeah, he's not here. Um, and I'm like, Drew, yeah, he's back at home with, with, the, with the baby. And they're like, Drew, they're like, wait, you're not loving the outcome? And I was like... <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm not. And they were like, oh, who are you? And I was like, just a disappointment. I'm so sorry. Uh, second thing that happened, I go out to this festival to celebrate freedom. There's 30,000 people. Everybody kept asking me, are you nervous? Are you nervous? And I'm like, no. Because in my mind, I'm like, I'm playing on some stage that no one's going to be at. I'm like, I'm just glad to be here. This is great. And I, I go out to play. Literally, they put me on a catwalk in between two huge acts. I think it was like David Crowder or Michael W. Smith and Brit Nicole, these like sort of major acts. There's 30,000 people there. They put me and my little guitar with my little scripture (laughs) songs out on a catwalk in between two huge acts. And I was not prepared. I literally was like, whoa. Like, and I played every song about half as slow because I just could not, I was like, I could not take it in, which if you're wondering how to play at a festival in front of 30,000 people, not half as slow. That's not not the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. So I get off the stage and you hear the things that people say when you did not crush something, they're like, you did it. Did you have fun? You know, like <laughs> that happened. Uh, just and so shame is coming over. You know, I'm just like, what am I doing? I do not need to be here. Like, God, what are you thinking? Why am I doing this? I told you I wasn't good at this. You know, and so it was. I will never forget it. I kind of, I don't know about audible. It wasn't like an audible voice of God, but just sensed this this, um, this peace come over me. And, uh, since kind of God saying, you know what? I need Michael W. Smith to be Michael W. Smith. I need Brit Nicole to be Brit Nicole. I need Crowder to be Crowder. I need Switchfoot to be Switchfoot. And I actually just need you to be who I made you to be. Mm -hmm. And there are different people that I'm going to speak to through all of these different bands and reveal myself through. And so I actually just need you to be you. And I go back to that moment all the time because there are times that I'm like, I'm not the right girl for the job. Like I'm just me. I'm a mess. I'm not, I mess my, 
I miss my guitar, my, my guitar chords half mm-hmm. the time. I make mistakes all the time. And, and there is this beauty in knowing I can just be my very flawed self and laugh yeah. at myself when mm-hmm. I make a mistake and uh, be grounded in that. Um, my identity is not in how people are responding to me. It's that I was made by mm-hmm. my who loves me. And I get to share my broken parts and the gifts that he's given me. I just get to to kind of break. I mean, I get to be communion. We all, yeah. and that's the invitation for all of us, right? To break yeah. in front of each other and to break bread with each other and to say, let's enjoy his goodness together. Um, and so that has been, uh, I always tell people, younger artists, when they're like, any advice that you have, I'm like, be grounded in something other than your career. And I would mm-hmm. highly recommend Jesus because he's very consistent. <laughs> uh, he is, he's super steady. Uh, yeah. And so it's been so beautiful. What their career is sinking or swimming. Um, I remember my first album, there was a terrible review and it was like, this girl is just trying to be Ellie Golding. And I was like, it's literally me and, a, and an acoustic guitar in my first CP. And I was like, I think actually the only thing I have in common with her is just my name. I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't yeah. choose that. Yeah. Um, but the shame storms that come in yeah. and the lies that you start believing are I mean, crazy. They're crazy. And so it's been really beautiful um, to kind of come back to that identity thing and and this idea that uh, Jeff Tweedy says it like this. He's in, he's the Wilco. He's in Wilco. Mm-hmm. And he says, we go to live, to see live music. We go to concerts so we can suffer together. Mm-hmm. And so there is just this sense of, um, of a beautiful invitation. And I think that's what songs have always done for me, uh, that there's a, there's a shared sense of humanity. And so, um, if I can kind of stay there, it's a good day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ellie Holcomb, I'm so glad that you do what you do and, uh, thank you for, for the work you do. And thank you for being, uh, with us today for sad stories told for laughs. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It's been a joy to be here. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. This podcast is brought to you by The Rabbit Room, where art nourishes community and community nourishes art. And all our podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our members. To learn more about us, visit rabbitroom.com. And to become a member, rabbitroom.com slash donate. Special thanks as well to Taylor Linhart for letting us use her song Diamonds as the theme music for season three of The Habit Podcast. You can learn more about Taylor and follow her work at taylorlinhart.com. The Habit Membership is a library of resources for writers by me, Jonathan Rogers. More importantly, The Habit is a hub of community where like-minded writers gather to discuss their work and give each other a little more courage. Find out more at thehabit.co.